Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. So Elijah, right. this is where, you know, the, the, the word of the Lord says that, that we're called to be um, salt and light. But I believe that the, the subject we're talking about, this thought leadership dynamic, is probably the crux of that call mm-hmm. by Jesus. So w- what does it mean to you to be salt and light? How do we express th- that and what would it manifest like? I think this is something I want to bring up, especially toward thought leaders in being salt and light. It is so easy for me to read books and articulate what I think. Um, the purpose of it, though, is to lead you toward from objective knowledge. I've learned this thing about God to experiential knowledge. That is, I live the teachings of Jesus. And if there is one thing that people who fall into my category of gifts of intellect are very weak in is that they don't do the stuff. And so they don't seem spiritual because they don't expose themselves to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's good enough to read about him. It's good enough to ask questions. And I think that's what makes catch the fires leader Alliance very different is that we're going Hey, you develop the mind, but you need to learn to live the teaching of Jesus and expose yourself to the spirit and develop a passion for God that burns in you like a fire and do not stop because this is, you know, Nisha brought this up is that intellectuals, we love to read books and we do nothing with it. You got to live what you know. Yes. And um, that's the hard part of dying to yourself. I think that is and that's what makes you salt and light is you go, all right, Jesus was the smartest man who ever lived. And I had a college professor tell me this push pause on reading this, the sermon on the Mount, like it's a set of commandments I mean, Jesus is God. You should treat it that way. But see him as the, the smartest college professor you know and think about how his teaching apply to real areas of life and you'll wow. see his brilliance. And wow. I think we've just lost the brilliance of Jesus. Wow, that's so good. Yeah, actually, interestingly, I had a conversation with um, Bill Johnson about five years ago when he was contributing a chapter to a book I was writing with uh, with Banning Liebscher called Revival Culture. And uh, I just said, what's your biggest concern for this emerging generation? And he thought about it for a moment and he said, well, there's two things. Mm-hmm. Is one is um, they don't know the price that was paid to arrive where we are right now. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting one because there was so much that went into the post-Jesus movement season Right. And all that led up to that. And uh, but the second thing he said was he said he's concerned that there's just not uh, a thriving high value for the word of God mm-hmm. that yeah. we've talked about experience to such an extent that we've almost diminished the word of God. And sometimes it's even in the jokes we crack and the, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I heard a preacher just, you know, and again, I understand the joke, but he was saying, well, you know, I've preached now for 45 minutes. I probably should share a scripture just to make this legal. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and again, I don't think that the person who said that was realizing the implications of that. 
Yeah. In other words, everything I've said in the last 45 minutes is more important than the word of God. Right. Right. You know what I mean? But I'll just, yeah. you know, throw the word of God on top like a cherry on on the uh, on the mm -hmm. ice cream sundae, you know. Just wait a minute. That's not what we're trying to instill in in the hearts of young believers. Right, right. And I think uh we forget about the authority of scripture and yes. that um scripture precedes the apostles and prophets. Mm. Um and it was birthed by the spirit. And so Scripture is how Christ rules his church today. It gives us objective knowledge of this is how I want you to live. And a lot of people just go, I just want to dial down and pray and hear from God. And he's like, I've told you stuff. And if you would do exactly what I said, mm. the way I say it, you will encounter me. And mm. so when I'm trying to teach reformed people how to hear the spirit, I'm like, during the, the sermons you're hearing, you're having images or thoughts pop into your head about how to obey this. Go obey it. And there's this fundamental problem of people just want to hear God and they don't want to do what he says. Mm. And it's in the doing that you know him. And so yes. also stop reading the Bible to get a word for your life and just take mm. a book and go, what is God saying in this? Yes. And when I hear that, it's like, God, I've got to surrender. There is so much of my life that I want to align with you. And I come alive as I do that. And I just I just impart that to people. Like a love mm -hmm. for the word of God, unadulterated. I'm not trying to prove my charismatic theology or research it for yeah. that reason. But to know God in this lifetime by learning the way he thinks. I had a talk with Roland Baker and he's like, I, I am so concerned that people are reading their their own theology into the text, and we have lost yeah. this. And so, yeah. No, there's a ton of that sort of what I would call GMO theology, you know, genetically modified theology, <laughs> where we, yes. you know, it's like if yeah. you want to create Splenda, you take a sugar molecule and you knock off one of the electrons, and then you have this fake right. sugar that, you know, isn't healthy for you. Um I feel like we're almost doing that sometimes selectively with the scripture right now. Mm -hmm. So that what we're doing is we're actually um, knocking off little pieces of scripture that we don't really like that actually disprove um, our pet theology. Right. And so we diminish those things. We put them to the side. And, mm -hmm. and I could just think of a number of those examples right now. And I just feel like, wait a minute, we have to be submitted to the word of God. We mm -hmm. can't put ourselves over the word of God as the dictators of what the word of, word of God says. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, in a sense, we, we have to be more biblical than we are theological. Right, right, right. And that's where we come into submission to the word of God in that powerful way. Mm -hmm. And that's really where the doing is. I mean, if you think about it, Jesus at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount said, hey, this is the person who hears the word and doesn't do it. This mm -hmm. is the person who hears it and does it. Mm -hmm. And in the Great Commission, he says, teach them to do everything I've commanded you. Right. The doing is actually where the learning is. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely, oh, that's definitely. Good. That's so good. Well, let's let's expand this a little bit because I want to get a little bit more on sort of the role of a thought leader. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about this because obviously thought leadership takes place in you know professorships in in universities. Okay. Mm -hmm. We have that, but then we also have Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the greatest mind forming, thought inducing let's call it worldview uh, mm -hmm. generating 
thoughts come from Hollywood. I mean, mm -hmm. if, I, if I just think about trying to share the gospel in San Francisco, where I was a pastor for 33 years, and basically the prevailing God concept was what I would call Star Wars theology. Mm -hmm. You know, you He's have the force. force. The force yeah. is an impersonal uh, reality, but there's a good side of the force and a bad side of the force. And that's where you get yin and yang and all that. You know, in other words, mm -hmm. but the average person was indoctrinated with that idea. Right. And then to talk about a God who is actually personal, a God who is actually there and can interact with a human being was just like such a gap mm -hmm. because their minds had been shaped by a set of movies. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Talk about that. What's the role of Hollywood in thought leadership? What's the role of music? What's the role of art going into a museum? Because all these things are informing our our subliminal perception of reality and our mm -hmm. worldview. Talk about well, that. I, I want to take a step back and talk about theology of beauty, and then I'll go into art. Okay, sure. Um, so one of the things that I think, especially people during the Great Awakenings, the Whitfields, the Wesleys, the Edwards, were just on fire about um, was we tend to put God's holiness as, as the first virtue we want to learn about him rather than mm. his beauty. And wow. um, God is beautiful in the sense there is nothing more beautiful than God. So every beautiful thing you see, a sunset or a beautiful woman or a beautiful house or a beautiful guy, you go, that attracts me whenever you see God himself, and he rolls back the heavens, every knee's going to bow, every tongue's going to confess, not because they're pushed to the ground, but mm. because they will see God as he is and go, thank you, thank you, thank you for creating wow. me. Wow. And so each member of the Trinity worships the other. Like their lives are filled with joy and hope and love because they get to see the other two members of the Trinity as they are, and they see the beauty. And we are invited into that life. And so yeah. we are created for art. We are created for beauty because we are created for God himself. Mm. And so what Hollywood does really well is it realizes that people aren't purely rational beings but mm -hmm. that story transforms them as well. Mm -hmm. And so they're taking narratives that shape the heart. This is what C.S. Lewis did so well. When you would read his work, um, he said he wanted to re-enchant the West. And so that's why he wrote books like Narnia that stick with us to this day because mm -hmm. he's trying to shift the mind by first shifting the heart. And Hollywood's mm -hmm. got that down. And so... This is what I do in my movie. This is why I get such good feedback is I didn't make, well, here's some facts about miracles, is I took you on my story, my mm. journey to go look for them. And there were ups and downs and you could feel the pain and you could feel the joy of when people get their sight back or something like that. And so what, what we have to do as Christians is learn how to communicate in good story and find the money to do good art. Mm. Not at, not, I mean, there's some misconception among Christians. If I just throw a lot of money at a project, well, it'll look good. Story right. matters. But yeah. that is what the gospel is at some fundamental level. It's the story of God redeeming the world mm. in time and history through the man of Jesus. 
And it's like the greatest archetypical story that there is in that when you hear it, you're like, that is the greatest man slash God who mm. ever lived. Yeah. And so, yeah, God uses story. And that's why Hollywood's so influential is the church talks propositionally, which is good, but there's an emotive side you have to learn to communicate that's yeah. just a different language. No, that's so good. In fact, you know, again, I did a study on the emotions of God. Mm -hmm. That the fact that we have emotion is a reflection of the creator who made us right. in his image in that sense. And so I've also thought about this because I tend to be a very outcome oriented guy. You know, what's the what's the utility of art or what's the utility of looking at a beautiful oak tree and seeing mm -hmm. the 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 different symmetry dynamics of a tree or a sunset, mm -hmm. you know, um, I think you're hitting on that, you know, that there's something of, that beauty has its own value because it reflects the beauty of the one who made it. Mm -hmm. And so therefore it does imprint our hearts and it does mm -hmm. shift our mindsets. And art reflects culture back to itself. Yeah. And so it shows you the parts of your culture you may not want to see. Mm. Um, and it also shows the beauty yeah. of your culture and it can become propaganda. Look at what the Nazis did with sure. art. Um, and so there is this expression of truth that you, you know, you can't really articulate any other way. And I think good art becomes arresting. Like it, right. it's like you want to look at it, like you want to look at a beautiful sunset. Yeah. And I just feel like the, you know, medieval church got that right when they were building cathedrals is that they yeah. would take 300 years to build something but it produced a feeling of transition or transcendence. Mm. And yeah. we've lost that sense of there is something greater than myself. And mm. the purpose of having people walk into cathedrals was to show you God is so glorious. He's so beautiful. Right. And um, right. I, or even, I love art. Yeah. Even the art that was in, you know, the uh, Italian churches of sculpture and stained yeah. glass and, and even the Stations of the Cross were all visuals yeah. to an illiterate community in many cases. You know, especially back into the, you know, 12th century and uh, 13th century where, you know, there was a high illiteracy rate, but, but these images could actually produce a mm -hmm. revelation. And so, again, it's interesting, yeah. And we're painting, like the lion of judah in two hours where's the people carving 20 foot angels out of stone yeah. like there was something yeah. about worship for them wow. that was i want to dedicate a decade of my life right. to make something to glorify christ yeah. and that last and it's economical and i think we've disconnected economics from beauty and art and so you go to Europe, like people want to go to France because it is the most beautiful nation I've ever been to. There's statues yeah. on every corner. There's yeah. the Louvre, like you get pulled in. And I think there is something about taking care of creation, which is we're supposed to take dominion over it yeah. and we're supposed to make it artistic um, right. because we're created in the image of God and he created a beautiful world. Yeah, it's so good. Well, again, you know, kind of bringing this back home, 
because what I want to do, you know, is obviously, you know, my passion is to see this coming harvest be as absolutely powerful and inclusive mm -hmm. as it can be. I believe mm -hmm. that we are on the verge of seeing literally multitudes coming to Christ. I know that we're also in a season where the church is going through a massive sort of de deconstructionist effort. Sure. And, uh, and so, you know, I think a lot of people are hungering for what the next wineskin is. Mm -hmm. And obviously, so many of our uh, church experiences tend to isolate us further and further from the world into our own unique uh, worldview, into our own unique experience. Even if, you, you know, mm -hmm. if you're charismatic, then you're even one step more because I'm 45 minutes in a worship set where I'm raising my hands and maybe my hands are shaking a little bit before God. It's like, in other words, we have all these dynamics that are going on that sort of build barriers between us and the people we're trying to reach. Sure. You know, in fact, you know, I have a couple of young friends who are, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders supporters, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, again, not to get political here, but I'm just saying that they believe that the that the best possible solution to the challenges of our age is a new socialism. OK, sure. now that comes out of a worldview process. And, mm -hmm. and so in order to address that, I've actually had the opportunity to go into those settings and to really reason with some of these individuals who are, let's say, from the Burning Man Festival or some of the sort of emerging philosophical perspectives. Um, I'm wondering how we bring this back. How do we actually build bridges and not barriers? How do we begin to think through our positions about 100 different issues, the mm -hmm. trigger topics of our day? and approach them in such a way that we're not actually polarizing ourselves from current culture, but mm -hmm. bridging ourselves into it. How do you see that working within the, within the oversight of this thought leadership dynamic? Yeah, I think we go back to all truth is God's truth. And so, you know, in every culture, there's something called common grace insights, which is yeah. this idea, it comes from scripture where God causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the evil, is he gives truth to all cultures. Yes. Um, you know, and so the Chinese discovered gunpowder, we can use it. Um, and so what we do is we start by celebrating that which is still in the image of God in a culture or in an idea. So if you are socialistic, there's something about good about communal living. There's something right. good about caring about your fellow man. Yes. Now, in the practical, how does that work out? I'll just push pause on bringing that up. But right. you can build bridges by celebrating the good. Yes. And I think if you do it well, People, the differences don't hold us apart that much. That's I right. have friends all across the political spectrum. I love them. I have friends that are atheists. I have a good time. And we talk deep, and it even challenges me as a Christian theologian um, mm. because they know my theology and they can give me feedback. But I think everybody's looking for safety. They're looking for love. They're looking for truth and community and as i live christ before them my, mm -hmm. i can't convert people i can't change hearts but what i can do is put on display the lamb and show that i believe he's worthy and i feel as i do that people are attracted if you lift up christ he'll draw them into himself and so um 
that helps build bridges. I think it's having this respectful heart. I, yeah. I wanted to respect the skeptics in my film so bad mm. that yeah. I would let them make points that I could come back and just knock it down like that. And I'm like, no, I'm not yeah. doing that because okay. I want people to see you as, you know, struggling with stuff, intellectually respectable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't take pop shots. No. Yeah. No, let me add one thing to that, which is, you know, my work in San Francisco, we saw that San Francisco was probably at least a couple of dozen different subcultures that we were trying to oh, reach. Yeah. And every subculture had their sin patterns, but in most cases, their sin patterns were the sort of illegitimate response to a true kingdom longing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what we found was the key to building those bridges was to discover the kingdom longing that was driving mm-hmm. the sinful behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, there was criminals and there was people that were just completely self-centered. But in most cases, the people that were going off in this direction or that direction to pursue some kind of lifestyle that was nourishing to them were doing so mm-hmm. as a result of something that I could actually identify with. Mm-hmm. I could say that longing in you resonates to this longing in me. And mm-hmm. therefore, I understand, even though I don't agree. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the the uh, revelation that I had in trying to build this bridge. Okay, Mm -hmm. the final thing I want to talk about, though, as we wrap this up, is your role as a catalyst Mm -hmm. in the Leaders Alliance. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're just in the first stages of this launch, and we're trying to figure this thing out. But what we're hoping to is we're hoping to build a network of leaders that isn't Mm -hmm. based around geography. It's not based around a a sense of, oh, we all need help. So therefore, let's help each other. It's really based around the sense of God's mission Mm -hmm. and great commission that we want to actually see the, the church of Jesus Christ rise up in her fullness and be the primary influencer. We, we believe that, that there's no one more qualified to help steer the world into a greater and greater health and well-being and righteousness before God than the church is. Mm-hmm. However, in many ways, we've kind of failed our role at some level. We've gotten you know, too enamored with incidental things, Mm -hmm. so focused on ourselves and our own experience that we've failed to be the salt and the light that Jesus has requested or demanded. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. Like if you were building a group or as you think about this catalytic group, Mm -hmm. how should it manifest? What will Mm -hmm. it be like? Give me some vision for what you're seeing. Um, so, well, what is a catalyst in science? It, 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 it's a chemical you put in something and it makes a process go faster. And so, you know, well, what's a catalytic group for thought leaders? It's getting you around other thought leaders so that you can bounce ideas off of, mm. let's call them professional thinkers and go, man, this is working. This is not. Think about this. Think about that. It's also helping people. I, I have a passion for the digital ministry. That's why I make a film. That's why I've been doing yeah. a lot of podcasts is because I think that what the uh, fields were in the Great Awakenings, that's where you met the people. You were able to take it out to the general population, what God was doing in the gospel. I think the Internet is today, yeah. and I don't think we understand it. I don't yeah. think most churches think about how Google's or YouTube's algorithm works. And I want to see a generation of people 
who are called into that thought leadership role and then start taking it online into their niche. You know, um, one of my niches is uh, debunking Christian witchcraft. Um, another is debunking anti-intellectualism. But eventually you run out. And uh, I want to see people go into business, Hollywood, whatever their thought leadership area is with a Christocentric worldview mm -hmm. and take the word of God and apply it to living that out and to live excellently as they do. And I think that's the missing part of thought leader. We don't want to be celebrities. We don't, you know, if you can get your Instagram big, great. <laughs> we want to live for Christ with everything that we are and to see him exalted in the nations and more importantly, in the way we live. Yes. And so that's what I think it is. Yeah. And I love that, the fact that you would spark each other, that, you know, there's greater power released in nuclear fusion than in nuclear fission. In other mm -hmm. words, we bring things together and they spark one another in a powerful way. But the other thing I'm hungry for is that you guys would pioneer in this area and then bring it back to the rest of us mm -hmm. and help all of us to be able to up our game. Sure. Even if that's not our primary passion, our primary interest is being those thought leader people. The fact that you guys pioneered extensively in that direction will bring back the leaven that will leaven my lump. <laughs> you'll, you'll bring back the catalytic grace to spark me into a greater and greater awareness mm -hmm. of my responsibility to be salt and light in the world around mm -hmm. me. Can I throw one thing out? Sure. So, um, you know, I recently did an apologetics uh, venue on Remnant Radio and on Christian witchcraft. And there were a lot of witches watching that. And I got to explain the gospel to them. Wow. And when are you going to get to share Christ with people who literally call themselves witches yeah. from the comfort of your home? Like it's, it's, <laughs> I, people don't understand what the internet's going to be able to do for ministry yet. And we need pioneers to go after it. That's so good. And I had a similar experience in the last year working with a friend of mine who is, you know, from a kind of a burning man like community, mm -hmm. um, not particularly Christian in his worldview, but very much hungry to end the polarization between the right and the left. Oh, wow. So he said, I want to get a, a, a Bible-believing Christian on my podcast, and let's process this together. It's actually mm -hmm. called Fractal Friends, if you want to look it up. But it, we just had a beautiful conversation mm -hmm. talking about you know, how we can find common ground mm -hmm. between people that would otherwise be polarized on, in the way mm -hmm. that the media wants to polarize us at this moment oh, yeah. in history. So anyway, we're going to close there. Could you just pray for us, Elijah, as we close? Yeah. And then we're going to wrap this yeah. up. I pray for every person that they learn to love God with their full self, their heart, their soul, their mind, their actions. And if there's any part of your life that you feel the Holy Spirit is shining a light on right now, would you just surrender that to him? Yes. Um, Jesus is worthy of your trust because he gave his life for you and he lived a sinless life. And if you trust him, 
you will come to know God in this lifetime and in the age to come. And that is what your heart desires. And so I just pray that people get the desire of their heart, which is to know Christ. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much, Elijah Stevens. What an amazing friend, an amazing apologist, an amazing uh, advocate for the kingdom of heaven in this day and in this age. We're so grateful that you're on the team with us. And uh, we're excited about what God's going to be doing in this coming season. It's time for the body of Christ to rise up. It's time for us to clear the cobwebs away, to get out of our myopic little worlds and begin to walk in the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. God bless you all and we'll see you soon. Mm